What's going on, my friend? Welcome to the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast, where we discuss science and science-based tools in everyday life, particularly in neurobiology, exercise physiology, and the nutritional sciences. My name is Jess Wong, and I am a neuroscience student at the University of Southern California. Today's episode is going to be all about belly fat. Right. So why is belly fat so stubborn to lose, right? Stubborn belly fat is generally referring to the stubborn areas such as the lower abdomen, love handles, upper arms, thighs, and the list can continue as it varies from person to person. And have you ever wondered why there are some spots that are way harder to shred during cutting season? Sure, eventually if we go on some calorically deficit nutrition plan, fat is lost, but why is it so hard for some specific areas in our body to lose its fat? For example, our upper abs can look shredded, yet the lower ones are nowhere to be found. Well, there are many biochemical reasons behind this, which is what this episode is going to be all about. As always, I just want to mention that this podcast is part of my effort to bring zero cost to consumer public education about science as it is unrelated to my roles as a personal trainer and as an undergraduate student. So let's start off with talking about how fat is mobilized, okay? When we lose body fat, what that actually means is that we've broken down the fatty acids that are contained in a singular fat cell molecule. And through proper nutrition and an exercise regimen, our body will decrease insulin levels and produce catecholamines such as adrenaline and norepinephrine, which are going to be the two main hormones that stimulate this fat mobilization. On a fat cell, there are receptors for solids to go in and for solids to go out of the cell. And there are mainly two receptors on which the adrenaline and norepinephrine can bind to when it's released from our body. And the first is the beta-2 receptor, which is what we we will go over, and this mobilizes fat. And there's also the alpha-2 receptor, and this will impair fat mobilization. And the two catecholamine hormones will bind to the beta-2 receptors of the fat cell to mobilize fatty acid out of the membrane and when this happens the structure of the protective fat cell will weaken and the enzymatic activity which is basically the process that speeds up the mobilization will increase this particularly increases triglyceride breakdown which will then be released into the bloodstream right and as you've already guessed subcutaneous regions that are the more stubborn areas have a higher ratio of alpha 2 receptors than beta 2 receptors which make it much harder for these areas to have their fat mobilized. Research even shows that it can be even up to nine times more for the fat cells in our thighs to be mobilized compared to other non-subcutaneous reason, regions. Think of the alpha-2 and beta-2 receptors to be all around the circumference of the fat cell. And the different areas of our body fat will have different distributions of these alpha and beta adrenal receptors and this profoundly affects how well or how poor fat can be mobilized and transported out of them. Right? Basically, to sum up the biochemistry in a TLDR, fat cells have two types of catecholamine receptors, the alpha-2 receptors and the beta-2 receptors, and each of them behave differently when they get a signal from catecholamines. Beta-2 receptors will tell fat cells to be like, hey, let's release more fat. Whereas the alpha-2 receptors will tell your, your cells, to, hey, stop, re- stop releasing fat. If a fat cell has more alpha-2 receptors than beta-2 receptors, 
then it will release fat slower than other cells. And additionally, when your central nervous system senses that it has enough energy from other cells, it will communicate with other fat cells to stop releasing the triglycerides as a form of energy, and when that happens, these stubborn fat cells have barely released any fat. These stubborn fat cells tend to congregate in the same areas on your body. For example, the fat cells from your stomach tend to be about 10 to 20 times more responsive to the catecholamines than the fat cells from our glutes, right? And beyond the receptors, there are, of course, many other reasons why stubborn body fat is so stubborn. Let's talk about a second one, which is going to be all about how our fat cells respond to the effects of insulin which is a signaling molecule. When insulin levels are high, fat burning usually drops low. And vice versa, when insulin levels are low, fat burning usually is high. So some sorts of fats, such as visceral fat, are more insulin resistant than others. Visceral fat tends to keep releasing fatty acids despite high insulin, but subcutaneous regions, such as the stubborn fat areas that we talked about, tends to stop releasing triglycerides in response to insulin. Stubborn body fat is really sensitive to insulin, so when insulin is high, these fatty acids have stopped and they will not be released from these areas. And lastly, let's talk about blood. Okay, the amount of blood flow to the different parts of your body also determine how much fat you will lose. Stubborn areas tend to have little blood flow and HSL activity, which stands for hormone-sensitive lipase. And this makes it harder for fatty acids to be pulled out of the fat cell and get mobilized in the bloodstream. HSL is an enzyme, by the way, that helps release fatty acids from cells. Lower body fat in both males and females have about 67% less blood flow and 87% less hormone-sensitive lipase activity, right? Remember, to lose the fatty acids contained in the fat cells, we first have to pull it out of the cells as this is a result of the cells responding to the catecholamines for it to be mobilized out of the receptors, whether it be the alpha or beta, right? And into the bloodstream. And that way, we will decrease our body fat, which is basically the biochemistry in a very small nutshell. Well, this is all I have for you today in our episode. And I wanted to mention that an important feature of this podcast, as you already know, is that we deep dive into many topics for several episodes at a time. So by stopping here, I recognize that that there are probably many other questions, but the great thing is that there are so many other episodes coming out. The only way that we grow as a podcast community is through listeners recommending and subscribing to the podcast on Spotify. And the community that we've been building here, all about discussing science of all types, is best supported by your involvement and questions. Stay tuned for the next few episodes of this awesome podcast that gets released every Saturday and Sunday, or Thursday and Sunday, so I'm sorry about that. But other than that, I'm going to leave you with the same message I leave you in every single one of the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thank you for your time, thank you for your attention, and above all, thank you for your interest in science.